0: records the covenant that God makes with David, his king. We read Second Samuel 7, verses 12 through 17. Think about this in light of Isaiah delivering this message to Ahaz, trying to get him to trust the Lord, trying to see that just sitting there and not doing something foolish might be a good idea. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So for Israel and Syria their kings are smoldering stumps. But for Judah and Jerusalem and the sons the descendants of David who reign on the throne you've got divine strength sustained by a divine promise. Ahaz is being called to trust Don't you remember the covenant Ahaz? You can place your faith, Ahaz, in the God who makes covenant promises. Don't run off and do something really, really foolish. Sit there. Wait on the Lord. He will be faithful to you. You can trust him. And so it's there at the end of verse 9 that's the key. After those little patterns of land and king, uh, land and capital and king, this little couplet at the end, "If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Security only comes through faith. And so that's Isaiah's first message to Ahaz, laying the groundwork for God's trustworthiness. Now there's a second message in verses 10 through 12. It starts off there in verse 10 with "again. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. So, presumably, there was some time that passed. Perhaps Isaiah spoke and then he went away and he gave it some time for his words to, to settle with Ahaz. So, he comes again and he tells Ahaz, Ask the Lord for a sign. Ask him. It can be anything under the sun. He will pull out all the stops because you see the Lord knew that Ahaz was weak and so he was gracious and he condescended to him and he was ready to prove himself with a sign God's gracious like that he wants us to trust him but Ahaz said no I'm not going to do it. I will not ask for a sign. And he wants us to think that it's because he's super spiritual and that he's so pious. He says, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. Which is, in fact, a biblical principle. Deuteronomy 6 says, don't put the Lord to the test. And so, we're not to treat the Lord like a pet that we get to do tricks for us, and then we reward him with our faith. We're not to treat him like that. But that's not what this is. This is the Lord's invitation, this is his idea, this is his willingness to stoop down and to help us in our weakness. Ahaz doesn't refuse because he's super spiritual. He refuses because his mind's already made up. And he's not going to trust the Lord. He doesn't believe God. He doesn't think that he will be faithful to his covenant promises. This is hardened, willing unbelief. That's a scary thing. And God's response, as you see in Isaiah's third message, is a scary thing as well. So verses 13 through 17, God's response is basically, well, you're getting a sign anyway. You're going to get a sign. But before the sign was going to be something that helped persuade and enable faith... But now the sign will confirm divine displeasure. And the sign will in fact be judgment on unbelief. And so here it is. Here's this wonderful, glorious, and also apparently dreadful sign in verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, there's a lot of back and forth when you read the commentaries and you read the scholars about whether this verse 14 only pertains to the birth of Christ that night in Bethlehem or if it could also refer, in addition to that, to a birth that happened 600 years or so earlier, a birth that Ahaz would have been aware of, a birth near or around him that would have caught his attention. I think very likely it is both. I think Ahaz did catch wind of of an unusual birth, though not necessarily a miraculous, immaculately conceived birth. But something about it that was unusual or notable enough to catch his attention... And enough that when she said, Oh, and his name is Emmanuel, that he said, Oh, no. Oh, no. And so this is Ahaz's sign. And it's a terrible thing because it confirms for him. That what had been said all along was true. You didn't need to go make friends with Assyria. You needed to trust. You needed to be still. You needed to wait. And so this sign, this terrible sign for Ahaz, confirms the devastation that's coming. It came first to the north, and you see that in verse 16. These two kings that you dread, they're toast. They're gone. And that happened even while this child was still young. That's this reference to before he he could refuse the evil and choose the good. And the curds and the honey there Don't confuse that with the milk and honey of the promised land. Curds and honey is more of this monotonous diet of poverty. It's kind of what you eat when you're desperate and you don't have any other options. Would be the equivalent of ramen noodles for the college student. Right? See, bad days are coming. Terrible days are coming. So bad, in fact, that they will be worse than when the kingdom first split north and south, and those were pretty bad days. But the days that are coming are going to be worse because of what it is that the Lord's going to bring. Look there at the end of verse 17. What's the Lord going to bring? The Lord is going to bring the king of Assyria. This one to whom you reached out to be your savior will come, but it'll be as your executioner, not your savior. And this really is the beginning of the end. It's all downhill from here for the kingdom. Ahaz will in fact be the last of the free kings All the other kings that come after him are just going to be puppet kings that got set up by whoever the occupying force was at the time. Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. So this sign is not at all a good thing for Ahaz and for Judah at the time. For them the advent, for them the coming of Emmanuel is not peace and joy and hope. It's destruction and ruin. But, all right, but here's where the hope comes in. Here's where the hope comes in for the people of God is that this remnant that will remain, this remnant that trusts in the Lord instead of Assyria, there is still peace and hope And even joy because God is a faithful, covenant keeping God. He's true to His word and to His promises. He's the God who says, even if I have to raise up a descendant of David through a miraculous virgin birth, I'll do it, I'll pull out all the stops. I'll do whatever it takes to see this covenant through because I'm the one who made it and I'm the one who will keep it. So where does this leave us? I hope we've gotten a pretty good understand of how Ahaz would have understood this at the time. So, what's it to us today? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves who's our Assyria? What's our Assyria? And then we've got to ask, all right, well, then who is our Israel? Or who is our Syria? What kind of alliance are we trying to form? So what I mean by this. Who's your Assyria? What's your Assyria? What is this terrorizing dread and worry and fear that controls you? What is this thing that, that holds you prisoner that has you shaking like Trees, like Judah was. What is it that keeps you up at night? What is the thing that you say to yourself, if this were to happen, I would be undone. I could never go on. I know what some of your Assyrias are because you've told me. But some of your Assyrias, you would never dare tell a soul but what about Israel and Syria and if you're just crazy enough Assyria where are you turning to deal with that fear where are you turning to deal with that dread and that terror that keeps you up at night? Where do you turn for help? Sometimes our our fear when it controls us can make us do some pretty stupid things and to turn to some pretty stupid places looking for help. It's like Ahaz turning to Assyria of all places. What are you turning to? And so at the end of the day for us, the big question is, can the Lord be trusted? Can we take him at his word? And I think it's just perfect. It's absolutely perfect that we come to the table today with these questions in mind. Because we come to the table that Is in and of itself a sign that the Lord has given us. Let's compare it to Ahaz's sign. Because remember how Ahaz's sign ended up being a sign of judgment, a sign of the Lord's displeasure. Do you know that the Lord's Supper is that? The Lord's Supper is a sign of judgment and the Lord's displeasure. But not on you. And not on me. This is a sign of God's displeasure of His judgment of the Son. When all of our sins were laid upon Him. He experienced the divine displeasure of the Father so that you and I would never have to. This table is a sign of judgment. But now think about what Ahaz's sign was supposed to be for Ahaz. It was supposed to be this thing that enabled and persuaded and encouraged faith. That's what this table is too. This table, if we come with believing hearts, we meet our Savior here. Jesus is really and truly spiritually present at the table for those who come with believing hearts and expect him to be here. And guess what he does? He strengthens and persuades and enables faith that God really can be trusted, that he's bigger and better than any Assyria that we could come across. And that he's a far more reliable source of help than any Israel or any Syria. Oh, that we would receive this morning this sign that the Lord has offered to us and not refuse it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful and condescending to our weaknesses. You offered your grace and your condescension to Ahaz. You offered him a sign. But his heart was hard. And he wouldn't receive it. Oh God, by your grace, give us soft hearts that will receive your help. Give us a soft heart that would never refuse the help that You offer. Give us the soft hearts by Your grace today that we can come to the table and give us the faith that we need to believe that Jesus is there. And He's ready to help. He's going to strengthen our faith so that we can trust You. Trust You to be bigger than our Assyria's. Trust You to be a better source of help and provision than anyone else or anything else that we could turn to. By the work of Your grace, do this for us, we pray. Amen. Would you stand?